This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey everybody, Carm Capriato, Remarkable Results Radio in the Town Hall Academy, the Automotive Aftermarket's gold standard of automotive business podcasts. Good to have you all here. I've been wanting to do this episode for a long, long time about having a marketing power panel on there and talk about, hey, I want to grow my shop. I know marketing is a critical part of what I need to do and have to do. But uh, every time I talk to my coach, he talks to me about KPIs, but not necessarily exactly how to do it. So that's why I have, let me introduce you to my great panel. Carrie Lynn Roddenberg is here, founder of Turnkey Auto Marketing, uh, turnkeyautomarketing.com. Hello, Carrie Lynn. Hey, Carm. Thanks for having me. Good to have you here. We're excited for Carrie Lynn. She is about ready to bring us her second child and hopefully it doesn't happen while we're on air here. No promises. When I had my son Theodore a year and a half ago, I was interviewed for Ratchet and Wrench literally while I was in labor. So I've never tried that. Maybe I should. I mean, we do shop tours. Why not do an OBGYN tour? Hmm. I was at home. I was at home. All righty. We have a week, so we're good. We're good this time. All right. It's already showing where this episode's going to go. Am I right? Kim and Brian Walker, Shop Marketing Pros, shopmarketingpros.com. Hello, Kim. Hi, Brian. Hey, Carm. Good to have you here. Oh, we're so happy to have you. Tony Mercury is here from AutoShop Solutions, the VP of Revenue. That means you got to work your butt off to get new stuff coming in, huh? Every day. Good to have you here. We're going to get to this episode real quick. We want to pay homage to our great sponsors. You know, it amazes me how much five-star reviews make or break a shop. Get more customers falling in love with you when you offer them complete convenience and transparency with the industry's leading shop management system on the web at getshopware.com. Hey, are you up to date on your training? Well, Delphi Technologies is proud to offer over 30 courses run by ASE certified technicians for professionals. Turn to the OE aftermarket supplier with over 100 years of experience. The parts your cars are born with. Inquire today at Delphi. AftermarketAftermarket.com. So here's what we're going to talk about. First of all, set the assumptions that we have a single location with six bays, three technicians. We have a town of about 60,000 people that, you know, if you ever wanted to really know, just go to the web and type your town in and learn about its demographics. You may completely change how you market to your market once you learn that. We know that we need to have production KPIs and we have to have quality people and we have to have a good culture, a great culture. But there's always something like thinking about having a specialty. And I know Brian knows all about that stuff. But one of the other things I want to know is what do marketing people say to their clients about how much spend as a percent of sales? Again, a coach may say something different and a marketing person may say another thing. I believe they're both in the best interest of the repair shop. So how do we focus marketing and how do we uh, get our story told? Let's start with Tony. What do you start talking to a client about? Because he just says, hey, Tony, I'm going to hire you. I want you to do my marketing. And woe is me. You need so much more information in order to figure out what the next step is. Give us your thought. We always like to identify what that shop's currently doing and where they want to get to, right? And then I always like to use that SMART approach for goal setting. We want to make sure it's specific, measurable, achievable, results-oriented, and that it can be done in a timely manner. Because a lot of times I'll talk to shop owners that are doing $30,000 a month and they're trying to get up to that $2 million mark, which is $166,000 a month. And that's not going to happen in six months, right? So as long as they understand that time frame, the effort, the marketing, 
power that's required behind that. That's our biggest thing is understanding where they're currently at and what their roadmap and journey needs to look like for them to achieve that. Kerry, uh, to you, it's a great point that Tony brought up. You mean you, you can't do this for me in six months. And so with the challenge that we have on the table of this million dollars, I want to grow from a million to two million. It takes so much elbow grease, so much effort, so much planning. And guess what? You're probably going to do a little fail forward along the way. Yeah, I think marketing, people often have these big lofty goals and they want to accomplish it. And they hear about this one thing about social media or AI is taking over the world or about postcards or all these, there's so many different tactics out there, right? And the thing that's really attractive to us as just humans is we want so desperately to choose one and just have it work for us. And just say, I'm putting all my eggs in this basket. But the reality is that if you want to succeed at the game of marketing, you need sort of like, I call it a web of marketing. Yes, website, but I'm talking about something different, a web. Like if you imagine a spider's web, you want to catch those people. And so I always recommend like having that web of marketing, having all sorts of tactics that are working together, that are cohesive, that are supporting and bolstering each other, and not just putting all your money into one basket and hoping that it works. You really need to have different areas. And it's kind of like those pinball machines where it's like the ball hits one side and it bounces to the other, and then it bounces to the other, and bounces to the other. And finally, you get to the goal, but you only get to the goal when you have all these things working in cohesion. So does it take time? Yes. Does it take effort? Yes. Is there like a something you can wave a magic wand and it just happens overnight. If anyone knows of that, please, my email is cl at turnkeyautomarketing.com because I would love to do that. We'd all be billionaires right now, but it's just not the reality of marketing. It's really, you have to be strategic and have them all play together. Brian, I don't know about you, but I loved the metaphor of the pinball machine. I just love it because you can kit the flippers and, and just get back up there and maybe hit a couple of great hundred pointers. But sooner or later, you're going to misstep and you got to pull it and start from scratch. And pinball, it's a game. It's fun. It's challenging. But it does remind me of how marketing works. Well, really, it's how business works in general. You know, we're talking about marketing and the, the marketing that you have to do to get your business from one to two million. But going back to that question that you asked Tony, when we're meeting with a shop, the thing that we want to know is, do they have the support systems in place? You know, do are they a good shop? Are they do they have great phone skills? Because we can do marketing that it's going to make your phone ring, it's going to make your form fills, you know, your forms on your website get filled out. But if your service advisor doesn't know how to handle that, or if your technicians can't fix the car. Or if you're so unorganized in the way that you run your business, all we're going to do is break your business. We're going to make it worse than it is by sending you a whole bunch of cars, you know, with people that are going to write bad reviews because you're not doing a great job. So there's, you know, there's the marketing. And I know we're going to really press into that today when we're talking, but I really wanted to make the point that it does go so much further than just the marketing. It goes way beyond that. And when we're working with a shop, we want to know that they're a great shop that can actually handle what we send. That is such a powerful statement. We'll help you make the phone ring, but can you actually sell them and then keep them. Kim, you must bump into that occasionally and they say, well, Kim and Brian are really nice people, but they didn't help me move the needle, but you know differently. Yeah. I mean, just kind of piggybacking on what everyone has said here. That's the fun part of going last is I can pull from a little bit of all of that. But yeah, we do run into that. And literally one of our most recent blog posts is all about the word patient. And Carrie Lynn was talking about, I loved the pinball reference because when you think about when you play the pinball machine, you have to have patience to stick with it. And so that is absolutely something that we run into on a regular basis. And because of that, 
we've referred several of our clients to coaches in the industry because we realize from listening to the phone calls that come in from the ads that if you don't have your processes in place, you're wasting your money with ads or whatever it might be because that handoff from marketing to sales is absolutely critical. I think we did a podcast with Cecil Bullard about that specific thing. So yes, people get impatient and they want to just get to the finish line really quickly. And before you increase your ad budget or you hire a marketer or whatever it is, you have to first look at like what Brian said, your processes and make sure that you have some systems in place to be able to handle that growth that you're looking for. Thank you for that. Guys, please talk amongst yourself, but I probably pop in with my level of curiosity. Carrie Lynn, someone picks up the phone and calls your company and says, hey, I really need some help. You do the due diligence and you find out a little bit about their company and they say, so why did you call me? Well, I need to improve my reputation. So if someone calls and they're like, I need to improve my reputation, there's probably a lot behind that. It probably goes a lot further than just people leaving reviews on Google. So sort of what Kim said, if someone's reputation, if someone has a bad reputation, you know, publicly, there's probably a lot of things going on behind the scenes. Maybe they had a really bad service advisor who is the face of the company and, you know, rub people the wrong way. So you definitely have to start by kind of looking inward and looking at what's going on at my shop that's causing this bad reputation. Is my turnaround time long? Is my staff not treating people well? Are they actually being lied to? You know, read through those reviews and then respond to them genuinely. Pick up the phone and call those customers who are upset. That's going to be one of the biggest things for helping your reputation. Another thing that I often tell people who need reputation help is get involved in the community. Shop owners, business owners, we have this American dream of being more separate from our business and getting to go and live the life and do these things. But there are times, there's a lot of times that when you're a business owner, you have to, you know, you all know it. You roll up your sleeves and you do the hard work. And if you're having a reputation problem, that's a great time to step back in your business and be there more frequently, be the face of the business and fix that reputation within the community. So we help people with their marketing and to manage that reputation. But if there's a reputation issue, it's probably going to need some boots on the ground, kind of grassroots marketing as well, which is a lot less expensive, but a lot more timely. A million ways we could go here, everyone. When you're thinking about a company that comes to you and wants to grow, Kim, this specifically is to you because you, part of the purpose of your company, and I just heard your EOS episode and it was great about working with top tier clients. Do top tier clients have coaches? Because if you were trying to help somebody grow the revenue side, coaches are great, but they need to have a marketing arm or person to help them because they got to get the phone to ring. There's a reach out, like Carrie said about this co-community thing. The coach will help you close that, listen to the phone calls and all that stuff. But most of the top tier customers have great coaches. Absolutely. It's funny that you asked that because when we were fine-tuning our own marketing message for ourselves, right, eating our own dog food, as we like to say, we were really struggling with really saying it in a very succinct way. And I think it was Dutch, actually, in our Facebook group who throughout, you guys, it's top tier shops. And so then we did this whole brainstorming internally. Well, what is a top tier shop? And in doing that exercise, 
one of the things is exactly what we're talking about here. It is a shop. And I'm talking about for us, this is our definition of a top tier shop. And I think a lot of us would agree. So it is someone that is already, say, at a million dollars and they're trying to push through and get to that next level. They are very involved in the industry. They're attending the conferences, attending the events. They send their team to training. But yes, they absolutely have a coach because they realize that to get from here to here, or let me say this, maybe it's not that they have an ongoing hands-on sort of coach, but they're involved in some type of coaching, whether that is a 20 group and they're, it could be even they are members of the ASOG group where they're getting kind of coaching, so to speak, from other shop owners. So I think that to define a top tier shop, them understanding, I can't do this by myself. I need to reach out for help, whether that's a marketer, whether that's a coach, another shop owner who's mentoring them and training them. I think that that is absolutely a top tier shop. So it's always fun to see that shop owner that hasn't, I call it getting outside of their own four walls, right? You'll meet them at like a Ratchet and Ranch or an ASTE event. And then they have that aha moment. You see that spark and they realize how big the community is out there, like the ASAW groups and all these different organizations that can help their business. And then you run into them a year later, maybe you started working with them and they went from that $30,000 a month to $80,000 a month and they're on that trajectory plan. So if you're listening and you don't go to trade shows or industry events, I highly recommend it. It will change your life and your business. As far as marketing spend, yeah, the kind of the earmark average is at the 5% mark. We're going to see the more aggressive shops are willing to spend more because they want to capture more of that market share. So they understand in order to grow their business, they have to be aggressive. Um, it actually reminds me, we onboarded a shop last year and just opened their doors and he wanted to hit the ground running. And after doing all that due diligence and understanding where he's at as a business owner and where he wants to get to in 12 months, you put a big marketing number in front of them and you're like, this is what it takes to be successful. And I think a lot of shop owners are initially shocked at that number. But, and I'm sure Kim and Brian and Carolyn has seen this since COVID happened. The amount that shops are willing to spend on paid search is like quadrupled in the last three years. Seeing a lot more dealer activity going against a lot of the same keywords we're bidding on for independent repair shops. So that number is getting very large, very quickly. And then in major metros, we're seeing $15, $25 ad clicks at this point where historically they're 3 to $5. So you got way more value for your money. So it does take a significant amount of money to be successful. And I, I saw Brian doing the no higher, right? They say that if you're wanting to aggressively grow your business, so you spend up to like 12% of your gross. And the thing is, the smaller you are as a business, that percentage doesn't get you as far. You know, you take a million dollar business and spending 12%, they're, they're at a $120,000 marketing budget. But you get a $5 million shop now that's spending 5%, they got $250,000 a year to spend on marketing. So when you're that small shop, you're at $300,000 shop and you're trying to spend 5%. And the, the reality of it is, is that most of those shops are not spending 5%. They're spending 1%, maybe 2% in a good example. But the more your revenue is, the less that you can spend. One of the questions that I had coming into to this, we're talking about you know, growing a shop from a million to two million. But why would we stop at two million? The thing is, the thing is, these shops, what's the seven habits of highly effective people say? It's going to begin with the end in mind. You know, so we don't want to start marketing a shop that has this goal of getting to two million if their real goal is five million. The thing is, we look at a two million dollar shop. You have the, the industry standard. The coaches will tell you we want you to be at a 20% now. So that two million dollar shop is going to do $400,000 in profit. The thing is, I tell people all the time that P&L is a liar because 
you know, the profit number that you have there, that's not actually what goes into the bank. That's not what goes in your pocket. You got, you got tax service and, and debt service that comes out of that. So now you got about half of that typically that you're actually going to get to be able to put into the bank or put into your own pocket. So now you're at 200,000. And then if you're wanting to grow, because remember, we're talking about growing, you got to have some retained earnings that you're putting into the business so that you can continue that growth. Now that 200,000 just became what, 100,000, maybe 50,000. Now I know that you're making a salary, but what's the typical shop owner paying themselves? 60,000. I mean, the thing is, if I want to make 40, 50, $60,000 a year, I'm going to go get a job because I don't want the stress that comes along with running a business. I don't want the weight of the world on my shoulders that like in my case, knowing that everything that we do, it doesn't just affect me and my family. It affects 22 fam. Like if you're going to take that on, show me the money, go make some money. So don't stop at 2 million. You know, let's look at, at three, four, $5 million. We know a shop already that's making a million dollars plus a month. So it's possible. That's a one location shop. So why would you stop low? And the reason that I, that I bring this up is because if you know that you want to be a $5 million shop instead of a $2 million shop, then you're going to do things different. You're not going to spend 5% on marketing because that's not going to get you there. You're going to put that 8, 10, 12% into your marketing because that's what will get you there. And you will continue to spend that marketing budget as you grow because that's going to continue that growth. That shop that I talked about that does a million dollars a month. They do television advertising in addition to the other things they do. So they're not marketing like the small players are. They're marketing like the big boys because that's exactly what they are. Some of the things that you might consider when you're looking to grow a shop, maybe you're hiring an in-house marketing director or you're at least hiring a company like Turnkey and be driving that strategy for you and everything. Because, you know, most of the companies like us and Auto Shop Solutions, we're very, very good at the services that we do, but we're not going in and creating an entire like marketing plan for you and driving that strategy. And you need somebody doing that if you want to create to be that bigger shop. So maybe you hire somebody in-house, maybe you're hiring a company like that. You hire the in-house person, they can be going to those BNI meetings, those chamber meetings, you know, the community involvement that Carolyn is talking about. But then beyond that, you're doing things like putting EOS into place in your business because you can't get there without the systems. If you run more than one shop, you know how vital it is to keep up with how each one is performing. But it can drive you crazy to log in and out of each shop's database as you try to compare KPIs. Well, look, stop making it hard. With Shopware's advanced analytics, you can easily pull all that data into one report. Heck, you can even set up the system to pump it out in a graph or a chart and then email it to you anytime you want. Why tax your brain before you even start looking for trends and wins to celebrate? Let the computer do the work for you. Spend less time sifting through pages of numbers. Now, once you see your business's potential right in front of you, you can take steps to make it even better. And then you can take a night off to enjoy the time you just won back. Benefit, go with the team that created DVX, my friends, at GetShopware.com. As the trusted aftermarket brand for over 100 years, Delphi Technologies is by your side for every step of the repair process. The Delphi journey doesn't stop once the parts are ordered. Wherever your journey takes you, our quality parts gives you ease of mind when getting your customer's vehicle back on the road. Technicians know and trust Delphi as a quality brand. Each product undergoes rigorous testing to not only meet OE standards, but also enhance it in each opportunity. From 700 hours of spray testing on chassis components to fuel pumps tested for reliability up to 150,000 miles, and safety and reliability is paramount to help vehicles drive cleaner, better, and further throughout their lives. 
Delphi is also committed in developing products and services to prepare technicians for the future. Take advantage of how-to videos on YouTube, technician-led trainings, and our technical support line, and more. Turn to the aftermarket parts supplier with over 100 years of OEM trust and quality. Learn more about Delphi. Visit DelphiAftermarket.com. The first thing Brian mentioned to me when I said, well, you want to be on this panel of a million dollar growth company? And he says, oh, why stop there? Which is how you started out. Well, you just, you're solo here. He's so extra. I wouldn't expect anything but that from Brian. And he's so perfectly right, because if you can take a company Let's say in a couple of years, they could add a million dollars to their top line. They're not going to stop there. The disciplines, all the stuff that started to gel and work together puts this company on a great trajectory. We did an episode, I think it was maybe two and a half, three weeks ago, one location, two and a half million, how we did it. And we had on Joe Hansen, John Gustafson, and Jimmy Aloria, and they basically came in, covered from soup to nuts, exactly what it takes. Of course, marketing was discussed, and you cannot go grow that size, but you have to be able to have, again, go back to the story brand, Kim and Carrie Lynn about the community. There are so many facets. Carrie, I loved Carrie Lynn, the web thing. I mean, what a tremendous idea on it's almost so interconnected. Everything that you do, if you stretch this one little piece of the web, it may push or pull someone in a different direction. And how many CEOs or shop owners or former technicians that own a shop love marketing? (laughs) None. No, very low number. Almost as much as I love changing my brakes. (laughs) Something that I love that Brian said, I mean, I love everything he said, but something that was so profound was begin with the end in mind. And what caused him to say that was, Carm, you asked like, what's the percentage that a shop should be spending on marketing? Well, begin with the end in mind because something that I see so often is these shops that are struggling and they're like, no, but my friend or this guy that I know in this next town over or this guy that I know in the next city over, he only spends 2% on marketing and he has a great shop. And so I should only spend 2% on marketing or my coach or who this random guy on the street told me I should only spend three or four or five or told me I should spend this crazy amount, right? Well, begin with the end in mind. What are you trying to accomplish and what have you tried and how is it going for you? Because if you're going to continue to do the same thing over and over and over and expect different results, that's the definition of insanity. So it really depends on what you're trying to accomplish. If you'd rather save $200 a month and forego the $25,000 you could have made had you done good marketing or had you reached the people that you need to reach, well, okay, that's great. I would rather gain $25,000 than save $200. So Begin with the end in mind, where are you trying to go? But then also look back and look at what have I tried? What has worked? What has not worked? And if it is not working, then commit to changing it. Maybe you don't need to increase your budget, but maybe you're just doing it really, doing really bad marketing. Maybe it's you're doing some kind of marketing tactic. You have it to the right people, but your message is off. Maybe you have the best message in the world. And you're using the right thing. Maybe you're doing Google ads or Facebook ads or postcards or whatever the tactic is, the media. But, you know, your message is completely wrong. Or I forget what I was even saying, but... I think you're going audience on that one. Audience, thank you. Pregnancy brain here. Yeah, your market is wrong. Maybe you're sending it to the wrong people. So you really have to evaluate what have I done in the past? What made it work or not work? And then how will that 
help me get where I'm going in the future? Will it? And then you have to be honest with yourself. So much easier to say, well, I'm only going to do 4%. I'm only going to do 5%. I'm only going to do 3%. And if it's not working, it's because, well, that's the rule. I only do 3%. No, screw the rules. Make your own rules. Make the, do what you've got to do to make the money that you want to make for your family and for your employees' families. So I'll get off my soapbox, but I love it. It's perfect, Carrie Lynn, because this whole conversation brings me back to when we were shop owners and when we broke through that $2 million ceiling, if you will, and did what you just um, just mentioned was, lo- I'm looking back, what did we do to do that? And while we're throwing out all these great sayings and I always screw them up, but one of the sayings that I am thinking about now is you are the combination of the five people that you surround yourself with. So who are you getting advice from? Who are you listening to? Which blogs are you reading? Like, where are you getting your information? If you're at $750,000 a year and you're talking to shop owners who make $500,000 a year or $750,000, you need to be talking to the ones who have already done what it is that you're hoping to. Y'all, I feel like calm talking with my hands like this. I just got back from Italy, so I'm sorry, but mama mia. (laughs) Actually, one guy said, Madonna mia. And I was like, what did you say? I didn't know that part. So really just think about where are you getting your information? It's really important to reach out, you know, so when we were able to do that, we did all the stuff that we're talking about here, you know, the community involvement, getting by no means, were we an EOS shop? I don't know that EOS even existed when we had our shop. It it did today. That's the first thing we would implement, but just making sure that you have all that stuff in place. You can't play, like Brian said, with the big boys until you have the foundations in place. So make sure that you have a rock solid foundation and build from there. Yeah, and and one other thing on the whole marketing budget thing. If you're a smaller shop and you don't have the money to put into it, yep, that's fine. Marketing is going to cost you no matter what. If it doesn't cost you money, it's going to cost you time. And when I first started my shop, I remember just taking the time to to drive around and put business cards on the windows of the cars that I wanted to work on. And, you know, I'm not necessarily advocating for that, but I'm not saying not to do it either. When you're a small shop that's starting off, you have to do things that you might not do otherwise. When B&I is an amazing way to grow your shop, and that's going to cost you about $600 a year to do that, but it's going to cost you time because you're going to be in that meeting for an hour and a half every week, and then you're going to be doing one-to-ones every week, going to the chamber functions. Kim loves to say it. You've probably heard it in 10 of our podcasts or so by now. The Chamber of Commerce, like a gym membership, it only works if you go show up and do the work. You know, so those are things that you can do in lieu of having that big marketing budget, but they're going to take your time. If you think that you're going to grow a shop without spending money or spending time on marketing, it's just not going to happen. I really like the piece on making sure your shop operations are correct because we're all in acquisition marketing, right? And I see so many times that a shop, they've been around for a while and they're still solely relying on new business where they really need to be farming that existing business and making sure they're being thoughtful and intentional of what that shop experience is like so they do come back a second time, so they do come back a third time because you're never going to get $2 million shop purely on a 70% plus new business mix. You're going to have to start flipping that and having these existing customers come in pretty frequently. I'd love to talk about that too. Marketing is everything that you do in your shop from fixing the cars to the interactions that your service advisors have with their clients too. I like to tell people, don't point at the coffee machine, go make the coffee for the person and then go make a note in your system 
about how they liked it. So the next time they come in, you're like, oh, you like it with the two creamers or, you know, the two sugars and the hazelnut creamer. And they think that you remembered that, but it, you didn't. You just made notes in your shop management system about it. Same thing about making notes about the conversations that you have. They say that little Johnny's going to the soccer tournament. Next time they come in, look at that note and say, hey, how'd little Johnny do in the soccer tournament? And it's impossible to remember all of these things about all of these people, but it's not impossible to make them think that you did. And it's not impossible to provide a customer service experience that when they leave your shop, they're going to tell everyone about it. And they're never even going to think about going to another shop because you created such an impression on them. And I, I love what, what Tony just said. I mean, focusing on the retention marketing rather than the acquisition marketing is absolutely something to do when you have a smaller, well, it's something to do no matter what. You should always make sure that you're actually prioritizing retention marketing over acquisition marketing. But that's just something that you have to do is to make sure that you're retaining those clients. Because we did a podcast episode not too long ago with Kieran O'Brien, who gave this analogy of a bucket that has holes in the bottom of it. And if the holes are too big, then you're never going to get any water to fill up in it. And it's the same kind of thing. Your clients, if they're falling out as fast as they're coming in, then you can't build a business that way. God, to make sure you're retaining those clients. And, and then I, marketing becomes so expensive too. I was just talking to someone the other day and, and their cost per new customer was so high. And we were looking at their retention numbers and their new customer numbers. And their retention was like less than 20%. It was really low. And so, of course, what they're going to have to do is spend and spend and spend and spend to get that new customer in all the time. But you spend in marketing to get a new customer, not for that first time. You get them because you're playing the long game. And if you're not playing the long game, then that's when marketing gets really expensive and there's not a good return. Because when people come for the first time, I mean, they're trying you out. They don't know you from Adam. They don't know if they should trust you. They don't know if they... If you did a good job, they don't know if they're going to drive away and on the way home, their check engine light's going to come on and their car's going to start making weird noises again. So they're trying you out. So it's, I mean, less likely that they're going to say, oh, sure, here's $1,000 or here's even $500. They're going to do kind of the bare minimums and then see if they like the work that you've done. So you have to play the long game because that's where the money is. But if you have something broken in your systems, you have something broken in the way that you're serving your customers, the way that you're treating them, the way that you're fixing cars, then they're not going to come back. You're always going to be paying for that new customer, always paying for that new customer. And that's where people can look and say like, oh, well, marketing's so expensive. Well, marketing's so expensive if you don't have the business to back it up and to fulfill on your promises. So marketing becomes way less expensive when you can actually help people really well and you can retain those customers. You know, in today's world, we cannot continue to think that, oh, that customer, I've got them for life because you know, I gave them such a great experience. We are bombarded with so many messages that shop owners, their competitors are marketing and advertising as well. And if you are not staying in front of your customer on a continual basis, you're going to miss out because life is so hectic and these micro moments happen like what you were just talking about, Carrie Lynn. I have a breakdown. I'm stuck on the side of the road. I'm kind of in a panic. If you don't have that relationship where you've been in front of that customer over and over and over again, they're just going to jump real quick on Google and find whatever is the closest, the nearest thing. You have to create experiences worth talking about. What are experiences that are worth talking about? Well, they are special. They're really special. People don't tend to talk about mediocre. They talk about what's incredibly awesome and amazing and what's really bad. So 
shop owners need to decide where are you in that and not assume loyalty just from a couple of experiences. You have to build and create that loyalty and really work to to stay in front of people. In years past, before the digital age, I think the magic number was seven times you have to get your message in front of someone before they're going to make a decision. Now, with the bombardment of digital messages and print messages and all of the ways that people can market, now that number is closer to 13. So imagine all of the, you were talking about putting all your eggs in one basket earlier, Carrie Lynn, we're that same belief system that you have to have multiple tactics that you're using with a combined message and staying in front of people. So don't assume loyalty. You have to intentionally create that. Yeah, we talk about uh, you you still have to remarket to your existing customer base, right? So like with our dashboard, we're watching existing customers that are interacting with online digital and coming back in. And there's a good chance, just like you're saying, Kim, that maybe they got a new brand of vehicle, right? Maybe they went from Honda to BMW and they didn't realize that you can service both of them, right? So they start their journey all over again. So it's, you know, and I always reference it back to like, how many T-Mobile or Verizon ads do you see every day on TV or Coca-Cola? Those are like household billion dollar brands throughout the world. And they're one of the top advertised spenders each year. Also, with thinking about like remarketing to your customers again, something that we say at Turnkey Marketing all the time is reality is our friend. Reality is our friend. There are ways that we want marketing to work that just don't. And it doesn't matter that we want them to work that way because reality is reality. So let's embrace it as our friend. So if you think about how busy people are in their life and how many marketing messages they get in a given day, and what they're thinking about. I mean, let's face it, auto repair isn't super sexy. Let's think about something else that's a little less close to home because we're all in this industry. So it's like near and dear to our hearts. But think about plumbers, right? Luckily, I haven't needed a plumber for my house in about two and a half years. But two and a half years ago, we had a sink that was stinky, right? And I had no idea who to call. So I Googled it. I looked online. I saw people who had really good reviews. They were really similar. I didn't know which one to go. They both had free bids. So I let them, you know, I had both of them come to my house and give a bid. One was like double the price and said like, well, we're so great and we've been in the industry longer and we really care and all this stuff. But I looked at his reviews and he had the same reviews as the next guy who had like half the price. And he had all this stuff backing it up saying, hey, we do a really, really good job. And it wasn't like dirt cheap, like I should run away kind of thing. He seemed like a reputable company who's also been in business for a long time. So. They did a a great job. They took care of the sink. They fixed it. It seemed like a really fair price. I had a great experience. That was two and a half years ago. I have nothing bad to say about that company. Guess what? If you ask me today, hey, I'm having trouble with my sink or my toilet bowl or something, who should I go to? And you lived in my area? No idea. I would not be able to tell you the name of that plumbing company, which I feel terrible about. But like, I have a one-year-old at home. I'm about to have another baby in a week. I have a company that I'm running. I have... Real life, just like every other person has fill in the blank. So if that person continued to market to me and send me things and check in on me and do all the work that was necessary, especially in an unsexy business like plumbing, then I would remember them and be able to refer them because I had a great experience. There's a reality check right there. Happens to us all the time. 
I want to hook up on what someone said recently about the experience. It was you, Brian. We've done a couple of episodes with author John DeJulius, incredible customer experience author, and his acronym FORD, Family, Occupation, Recreation, and Dreams, the things you should know about your clients. And then Matt Fonslow and I, of course, in the Aftermarket Radio Network with Brian and Kim, we were on the phone this morning just talking about some things. And he said, what do we have to do to create loyalty, stickiness, retention? And we were going down the list of stuff that we could do to make that experience so memorable, so momentous. If it's water, if it's a stuffed animal like Matt Lockowitzer does, if it's a car wash, all the exceptional things above and beyond. And I'm telling you, I think it's so important. One final thing that I want to say before I just shut up and let you guys figure out how we end this show is I was thinking about if I wanted to grow the business a million bucks and I gave myself two years to do it. Brian, that may not be anything in your wheelhouse, but let's just talk about some reality of never done anything this aggressive. So let's do that. And we sit down as a marketing agency and we say, let's do this 5% thing. And let's just look at that million dollars. Let's spend enough to get it. We're not going to wait to get it and then spend the money. We're going to spend it ahead. So if we figure around $40,000 a month would be that kind of growth at 5%. That's $2,000 times 24 months. It's, a, it's a, like near $50,000 that we need to put in a budget to spend. And as you're saying, Brian, I think earlier, the cost per clicks is going way the hell up there. So when you think about spending just 5% of the growth money, oh, let's add that to what we're currently spending, another 5%. Now I got some serious money to do things with. Where does it go? Where do I spend it? Do I classify BNI and the chamber as expense or some other things that get me into the community and get me involved and build that in the reputation that comes in as we're building it out? So I think you need to still, I'm always a guy who loves to get out his yellow pad and figure things out numerically. But sooner or later, you just can't go out and say, I'm going to spend this and have a marketing company say, well, we'll never get there if you don't spend the money. It's almost like you have to preload. Am I thinking right, guys, ladies? Yeah, I think so. You know, sometimes you have to spend the money with the faith that it's going to produce the return that it should. And that's why it's so important that you're working, you know, with the, the right partners on that because it doesn't always work out that way. As far as where does the money go, I feel like when it comes to growing a shop to a million dollars and then growing it to $5 million, the tactics are basically the same. You know, the tactics are not going to change a whole lot. You're still going to do your Google AdWords. You're just going to have a bigger budget. You're still going to do your direct mail. You're just going to have a bigger budget. But, you know, some of the things that I think it's so important for, you know, when it comes to making sure that those people don't forget about you and to set yourself apart, you know, my same old soapbox, it's the whole no like trust thing. You know, the stuff that you are doing in your marketing needs to get people to know, like, and trust you. And now that you have that bigger budget, one of the things that I would recommend, or that let's just say that I would do, if, if I owned a shop right now and I was looking to take that shop from 2 million to 5 million or 1 million to 2 million or 3 million or whatever, I just want to grow the shop. I'm personally hiring an in-house videographer and photographer, and we're going to document everything that's going on in that shop because I want people to learn the personalities of my team. I want them to see that there's like, there are real people back there behind those bay doors that are, you know, doing the work that have, they live lives just like we do. You know, they're good honest people that want to do a great job for you. And look, it's auto repair. Sometimes these cars throw us. I mean, there there are times, and, and I say that from a standpoint of personal experience because I used to be a tech and it doesn't matter how good you are. Sometimes you get one and when it leaves that shop, you just know it's right. And that sucker's back on the hook the next day. But if you get people to realize that you truly want to do the best job that you possibly can for them and that when something goes wrong, you make it right, 
then they'll give you the opportunity to do that. I don't care who you are. You're never going to be 100% perfect when it comes to fixing cars. You're just not. So, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. And there's a theme here with what we're talking about too. Up until now, we really hadn't even talked about any of the tactics of the things that we, that Auto Shop Solutions are, you know, shop marketing pros or turnkey are actually doing for people. These are things that you need to go do in your shop. They're things we can't do for you. This is the creating those amazing customer experiences. This is the community involvement and everything. Like there's a theme there. That's the stuff that people need to be doing. The tactics, they're the same. Maybe once you, you know, the revenue way up there and you have bigger marketing budgets, you get to play in different territories that you didn't get to when you were a smaller shop, you know, like television, for example. I think another really important piece of that is as a shop owner, I like to call it a software stack, right? Who's your SMS? Who's your DVI tool? Who's your CRM? Are you utilizing everything correctly? And then Carolyn, you're telling that plumbing story. I had a HVAC issue a few years ago and the company I, I ended up going with, they had an HVAC standard DVI tool, which I'd never seen it outside of the automotive space, but that built instant trust with me. So again, thinking about like, just like Brian and Kim are saying like, both of us can make your phones ring, but if you don't have that process and procedure in your building to delight them when they come in and have them come back and as a, as a repeat customer, you're just churning through this consistent new car count and you're never actually growing your business. I think a DVI is a great way to help grow and build instant credibility and trust because you can show and see what's going on in the vehicle. So considering who we're talking to, right, the shop owners that are listening because they saw this title, Grow Your Shop's Revenue by $1 million. I think the very first thing that has to happen is you need to audit yourself. Carrie Lynn mentioned earlier, what have I done in the past? What's been working? And sometimes people will say, I tried them Google ads one time that didn't work. Okay, because you tried it one time and it didn't work doesn't mean that it really didn't work. But then you really, find out they spent a hundred bucks on it. Yeah, right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but just like if I said I changed my brakes and it didn't work. It's like, yeah, well, Carrie Lynn, you didn't know what you were doing, girl. Right. Yeah. <laughs> But get a good picture of where you've been, what you're doing, and don't go by your own necessarily audit, right? Talk to some other shop owners about what they've been doing. There could be marketing tactics that they're doing that you either hadn't even thought about doing, or maybe you di- you've done it and you didn't do it the same way, but really get a good picture of where you are so that you see some holes. You may realize that you don't have the foundations in place or maybe you've never, for whatever reason, you've never done any of the community involvement or you're that person that because you're trying to do it yourself and you don't have time, you're posting on social media once a week, once every couple of weeks, or you've never done in any of the digital advertising, just figure out What holes do you have so that you can really have a good mix of marketing? And then lastly, before I get off of that and wrap up and give it over to y'all to finish is when we had our shop, before we went from say 1 million to 2 million in our shop, this random guy would walk in the door selling an ad for a magazine. And we're like, oh yeah, it's just $300 for sure. Sign me up for that. And so they had their ad department create the ad for us. And then maybe we did radio and the message on the radio was different. So we were talking earlier about having a concise message that's going across is, are you doing that? Maybe you need to actually get into your bookkeeping and look at the things that you've paid for in the past because you may forget that you have an ad running in some magazine somewhere that doesn't even look like your brand makes no sense with what you're talking about on social media. So 
that's where the audit is going to come in to play is really getting a good idea of what you've been doing, where you are, and what holes you have to fill. Yeah, it's just strategy. Like it's just putting strategy behind where you're putting your money, what you're saying to people, who you're saying these things to, what kind of forms of marketing you're using and being strategic so that it's all tied together and not just this like random, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this. And now your community has all these crazy messages about you. It doesn't make sense and it doesn't add up and it doesn't you know, remind them they see one ad and doesn't bring up, oh yeah, I've seen them before because it's totally different. So it's almost like in their mind, they're just seeing a random thing from a random shop. And so I would interject, comes make, really important. make sure, sorry, uh, your service advisor is saying that same message when they're picking up the phone every time, right? That just ties it instantly all back together. And they're like, oh, that's the jingle I heard on radio or that's the ad I saw on Facebook. Wow. I think we can go on for quite a while, but we're not. I got some more time if you guys do. Oh, yeah, sure. Let's do it. Let's do a three-hour show on marketing. A three-hour show. Frankly, I think what the reality of this show was, everyone, was, okay, there's all kinds of great resources, smarts and intelligence that can be hired to come on in and do it. But there's that audit yourself thing. I I pull that away from here, is that there's so many other things that have to be done right We can help you make the phone ring, but if you can't close the sale, make happy customers, we're going to help you with the recruitment piece, but you have to work so hard for retention. I mean, that talks about training and the quality of your people and the culture inside the business. There's no way you're going to all of a sudden decide to grow a million dollars with the bestest. You hired everyone here on the panel and they all brought their million dollar idea to you. You can't do it on the inside. If the machine doesn't work, you'll fire them all within what? seven months because it's not working. And, and so that's the reality. I think this, the great part of the show is to remember that your business acumen, the training that you need to get as the CEO, the culture that you need to build inside the company is never going to be able to back up the money you spend on marketing if you don't have all them things running. Doesn't mean that you have to be perfect, but if you're weak in any of those areas, let me just make an assumption that Carrie Lynn, Tony, Brian and Kim, when they hear about the audits and the things that you're doing right, they would say, I think you got enough funnel. Let's start as you continue to build all these other things that are necessary to support. I loved everything that we talked about here. And I so appreciate this. Let's just go around the room, give you all the last word. Remember, there's some great wisdom here that you need to understand. And please do the numbers Don't be afraid to hire a coach in a great marketing company to get you to heights that we have seen, Brian, Kim, Carrie Lynn, Tony. You you all have clients that are doing multiple, multiple millions of dollars out of one location. And even if you can max out the bays and, and the technicians, it doesn't mean you can't find your satellite. It doesn't mean that there's enough revenue to find store two, which is the big trend today, okay? But there's an awful lot of great trends by saying I got six bays And there's no way that I'm maximizing everything that I'm doing. So in your own world, if you're not getting the max potential of revenue and ultimately profits from your single location based on what you know you can do, then coaching, great marketing, helping guidance, training, conferences, listen to these podcasts that we do for you. Eight podcasts a week are being produced by the Aftermarket Radio Network that has more wisdom in two weeks that you could sit down and turn your company 
completely around if you listen to the great wisdom that's here. So we'll go around the room. Let us start with Carrie, Brian, Kim, and Tony. Carrie, last word. Value your time. Look at what you're great at and then hire out the things that you're not. Embrace reality as your friend. And then, yeah, like Kim was saying, audit your marketing. Look at your market, your media, your message, what I call the three M's. You know, who you're showing advertisements to, what you're saying and what forms you're saying it in. And try to pick apart what's working and what's not working so that you can make changes without even necessarily increasing your budget tremendously. Brian. The biggest mistake that I think most shops are making when it comes to that growth that we're talking about here, it's like stop marketing when it gets busy. And if you're looking for your revenue numbers to look like a hockey stick, it doesn't happen like that. You're riding a roller coaster. It's a constant up, down, up, down. You have the same baseline because you stop marketing. You go back down and it's like, oh man, it was so busy. We can breathe. We need more work. And you start marketing again. And you don't grow businesses like that. You don't stop marketing with the systems in place. You invest in the infrastructure to be able to handle the, the gift that you've been giving by, given by being too busy. That's my last word. I appreciate you bringing that up. To me, that was a point we should have brought up four or five times during here is that I think you guys have done some episodes on your foot on the pedal. Always be marketing. We never really covered that always be marketing thing. So uh, thank you for that. Kim? Yeah. So in the spirit of Stephen Covey, right, we talked earlier about one of the seven habits. I want to remind you of two others and One of them is first things first. So that audit, right? That foundational piece. And then iron sharpens iron. And I don't know how Stephen Covey says it. I don't remember that's... Sharpen this all. Sharpen this all. There you go. So you're talking about all these people that are watching and what great shop owners they are. Well, look at, you know, for those that are listening, whether it's on YouTube, Facebook, or Spotify, or wherever it is, Think about what we just said about these shop owners that are in here commenting, talking to one another and, and getting involved. So who's your tribe? Who are you learning from? So that's, I would leave you with those two pieces. Perfect. Thanks, Kim. And Tony, you clean it up, babe. I would say trust the process. Marketing takes time. Just like Brian said, it's not a hockey stick. It's a roller coaster. Our industry has massive seasonality. Give your marketing agency time. We're all reputable on this call. We know what we're doing. Trust us and trust the process. Wow. It's who, somebody wanted us to do a part two. Maybe we'll just have to give them their, what they wish. So thank you all so much. It's a hot, hot summertime here in the good old north of America. And thank you so much to Carrie Lynn Roddenberg, Turnkey Auto Marketing, turnkeyautomarketing.com. Kim and Brian Walker from Shop Marketing Pros at shopmarketingpros.com and Tony Mercury. Be a revenue at AutoShop Solutions at AutoShopSolutions.com. Thank you so much for your great wisdom. Appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time. Bye.